So, it's an honor to be here in this uh, Vaishnav household and in proximity to or in the vicinity of or in the midst of a community of so many Gaudiya Vaishnavs. Krishna is taking good care of me. I want to speak a little bit tonight. We've been speaking about Shraddha and Sharnagati, faith and surrender to some extent. Tonight I want to continue that uh, discussion and take us to the to the stage at which this Sharanagati is uh, fully established. It's, it's the beginning and it uh, underlies the foundation of the ideal. It's the beginning as we've been discussing. Sarva Dharman Purityajja Mamekam Sharanam Braja. That is the end, of course, of the Gita, but that is the beginning of bhakti. Krishna told Arjuna, Manmana Baba Mad Bhakto Mad Namaskuru. You know this. He told, This is what it's about. Become my devotee. And then he said, How to do that? So, that is Saranagati, that is the beginning, that is faith. Faith means that uh, I have this sublime sense and trust that simply by depending on Krishna, no other god or goddess or any other support, my life will be successful. Therefore, Sarva Dharman, put it Yaja. You understand? All this should be left behind. With this sense, one can embark on the, the journey of bhakti. And Bhagavatam begins in the same way. Dharma Projita Kaitavotra. Rejecting all this Kaitava Dharma. So there's a beginning, that is Shraddha, and its outer kind of expression is Sharanagati. So faith is not so intangible as we are giving some concrete form, shape to that. It's active and something to be cultivated. And so, in the course of that cultivation, at some point in our bhakti, in our development, it becomes established in a particular stage as a stage in a theatrical sense, using the word in a different way, on which the drama of Krishna Leela will be performed. It should be in a theater near you, in your heart. By erecting the stage of Sharanagati, then you can say, coming soon. <laughs> in a theater very near to me, in my heart. This temple we want to build. We always have so many big ideas for spreading Krishna consciousness, thanks to Srila uh, Prabhupada, <laughs> who had such a big idea and such a big capacity. But sometimes he would remind us that the task is more internal than external. External for the sake of internal life fellow came to me once in Vrindavan, I was visiting there. I'm not a resident. And um, he told me that, Maharaj, I have a big plan. He wanted to build a big um, temple in Vrindavan. He wanted to build like a kind of like a spiritual Disneyland or something like that. This big plan he was laying out before me. And <laughs> I said to him, I said, I don't have such big plans. I'm, I'm only small and I'm trying to build one temple, small temple, in my heart. He understood. His plans evaporated <laughs> at that moment. This is a real challenge. So, to build that temple, every temple has to have, a building has to have a foundation. The Leela is enacted on this stage, the house of Bhakti built on this foundation of Sharanagati. There's a beginning, it, it has a stage where it's developed, and then it's seasoned over time. And once it's in place, it's seasoned over time, settles like a foundation. It remains there, supporting Leela. It's the basis of that. Everyone there in Golok is fully surrendered, right? So, that stage, we talk a little bit about that in the context of our ongoing discussions this 
visit of mine to North Carolina about Shraddha and Sharanagati. What does Mahaprabhu said about that? He said, Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kovitam, Ba, Jagadisha Kamaye, Mama, Janmani, Janmanishware, Babutad Bhakti, Rahaitaki, Tai. The great visionary for Bhakti in the previous and present century, Thakur Bhakti Vinod. Prabhupada used to say, Ours is the mission of Bhakti Vinod. So he was the visionary. We like to consider ourselves members of the Bhakti Vinod Podibar, the, the family of, if you will, of Bhakti Vinod. Seventh Goswami. So he wrote a commentary on Mahaprabhu's Shikshastakam. It is the only known extent uh, commentary on Shikshastakam in 500 years since the time of Mahaprabhu's penning that. Other than, of course, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami's notes on that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, where he envisions Mahaprabhu speaking Shikshastakam at the end, the very end of his manifest Leela, the last and final chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita. This Shikshastakam issues forth from the mouth of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the company of Sarup and Ramananda Roy. And there in Kabiraj Goswami gives some notes, a little explanation. In a way, he really has organized those eight statements of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the succession, in the order that we, we, we know of them. They're not found in that order anywhere else. They are found in the writing of Rupa Goswami and his collection of uh, verses by different authors, known and unknown, Padjavali. And there they do not appear in the same order. They are categorized as the other slokas are there in, in, in terms of general headings that they represent. So Thakur Bhakti Vinod has done a great service to the community by giving, pending his uh, commentary on Shikshastakam. And as I say, in 500 years, you'd think somebody would have written something about that. So, but not been able to find any such commentary. And the commentary of Bhakti Vinod is very insightful in as much as he, he, he sees it as a progression of devotion that Mahaprabhu was speaking about, starting from Shraddha and ending in Prem. A progression that uh, corresponds with the progression given by Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Nine stages from Shraddha to Prem, covered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in eight stanzas of poetry. So, when he says, this is what, fourth shloka, Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitamba Jagadisha Kamaye. I don't know if we'll be able to go through the whole thing. I've, of course, just written a commentary on Shikshastakam that's just gone to the printer, so it's a little fresh in my mind. And uh, based on Thakur Bhaktivinoda's commentary, derived from that, and I've expanded on it to some extent by His uh, Grace, the Grace of Prabhupada. Sridhar Maharaj, who probably blessed me and, by the way, his order to preach and, and to distribute books, to write books also. Sridhar Maharaj also, in the same way, ordered me when I asked him, Guru Maharaj, any service I can do? He says, you know everything. Swami Maharaj Prabhupada has already told you everything. You cannot just sit here with me. You have to go out and do something, start something, and I'll be in the background. So, this verse, Nadanam Nadanam Nasundarim Kavitam Bhajagadisha Kamayi. That is the first half. Mahabharu is speaking about that stage of bhakti in which this Sharanagati is established. In the theatrical sense, the stage is erected in the heart. In this verse, Mahabhu speaks about the, the Swarup Lakshan and the Tatasta Lakshan of Ruchi Bhakti. Swarup Lakshan means the primary characteristic, and Tatasta Lakshan means the, the, the marginal characteristics. 
When Mahaprabhu says, Na danum, na janum, na sundarim, kavitam ba jagadisha kamae, mama janmani, he's speaking about the marginal characteristics. Mama janmanishwar babatad bhakti rahoitakitoi, he's speaking about the, uh, the principal, primary characteristic of Ruchi bhakti. And it's interesting to note that uh, this parallels Sri Rupa's description of Shuddha bhakti. Therefore, Thakur Bhakti Vinod in his Bhakti Tattva Vivek in his conclusion has noted this Ruchi Bhakti, this is Shuddha Bhakti. Sometimes we use the term, oh, he's, a, she's a pure devotee. But we don't really often think about it in a spiritually scientific way, what that might mean. So here it's defined by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And as I say, this description in his poem of Shuddha Bhakti, it very much parallels that given Bhashilupa Goswami when he wrote that verse from which the entirety of Bhakti Rasamrita Sundu practically is expanded. What is that verse? Anyabilashita Sunyam Gyan Karmadi Anabritam Anukulena Krishna Anushivanam Bhakti Rutam this, of course, also parallels Nard Pancharata, as it said there. I hope you remember it, because I can remember the Sanskrit at this moment. He says uh, something similar, anyway. Nard Muni defining Shuddha Bhakti. At any rate, same marginal characteristic, practically, and the same principal characteristic, as I'm explaining in Rupa's verse. Gyan karmadi anavritam. Gyan karma. The desires for these things should not be such that they get in the way of bhakti. And bhakti is that which is favorable to Krishna. So Mahaprabhu here has prayed for bhakti. He has attachment for bhakti. He wants to please Bhagavan. And he has no interest in jnana and karma. His bhakti, speaking of Mahaprabhu, as a sadhaka, which he depicts in his life uh, to help us. And his shikshastakam, as I say, takes us through these successive stages. In the previous verse, his bhakti was undeterred. Now it's become unmotivated. From Apratiyata, it has become also ahaituki. This is then also our definition of bhakti, one of them given in Srimad Bhagavatam. What is that shloka then? That's superseded to you, ahaituki. That's right. Savai pumsam parodharma ato bhakti hoksajay. Ahaituki apratiyata yayatma superseded to So from undeterred bhakti, what is undeterred bhakti? requires a little intelligence. There Mahaprabhu said in the third verse, Trinadupisunichena, Tororapisahishnana, Amanina Manadena, Kitaniya Sadahari, Kitaniya Sadahari. So undeterred, do you understand? Chanting constantly and without interruption. Undeterred constantly. So this uh, requires some some effort. There Mahaprabhu was advising us that uh, we should, uh, among other things, we should not uh, seek honor. It's a kind of description of uh, Vaishnav decorum. It's a kind of uh, faith revisited. As much as faith, Shraddha, is the beginning, when faith becomes firm, fixed, nishta, it's revisited. In other words, reconsidered. Beginning, Nityananda Prabhu is giving the holy name just for faith. There's no question about your behavior or anything like that, really. Have faith, take it. Very generous. Chant and be happy. Sankirtan is giving it to anybody. We're not asking people. We're not making sure that we're in a pure place when we go and chant. We go to the impure place this evening <laughs> and chant there. But as we are embraced by Bhakti Devi. We come within the fold of her generous embrace and 
begin to tread the path, then it becomes apparent to us that there may be things that are conducive to this chanting and things that are not conducive, and of course that's also part of Sharanagati. Anukul, Patikul. Accepting things that are favorable, rejecting things that are unfavorable. Don't think of it as if there are so many rules and regulations. It's not like that. This is not about rules and regulations. It's about love. It's about freedom. It's it, it's uh, come to address a human society, which is oh, such freedom. What are the freedom of human society? This is unbelievable. How free we are compared to other species of life. So we've been let out of jail. It's a fact. <laughs> we've been sprung from the prison, but we're not sure how to act at the same time. We've just come out of jail. So we have some tendencies that, that are supposed to have been dealt with, but they've only been dealt with in a theoretical sense, in a closed environment. Now we're outside of the jail, and we have to adjust. So with our freedom comes some responsibility. And freedom... Freedom means that we have the opportunity to do something voluntarily. We have not had that opportunity. To voluntarily do something means, what I mean by that, we have the chance to love. Mahaprabhu's teaching is something like this. The humans are not different simply because from lower species of life, because they can reason, but because they can love. They can do something voluntarily. They can say, you first. No, you first. They can say, excuse me. We should try to be like that. Not that we think, oh, I'm a devotee. I should cut that person off in traffic because I'm <laughs> more important and I should, I'm on my way to the temple. And if that person gets out of my way, then that will be good for them. That will give them sukriti. Not that if somebody drops their wallet, we go and pick it up and think, I better keep that for them because they're just going to get in trouble. They are not devotees. He's not a devotee. He'll spend it for Maya. I'll keep it, spend it for Krishna, and he'll be benefited. Well, we may end up in jail for that. And what kind of a example will that be? How will that charm the people? Precept uh, is not as powerful as example. We should be ideal in our behavior. But we might fear. Will we be facilitating people's sense gratification then? Implicating ourselves? In the karmic realm? No, hardly. You will be charming people by that. And eliciting from them a voluntary response. Bhakti is not a forced thing. It's not a law. It's said about guru, one must have a guru. And the scripture is mentioned, one must have a guru. I thought about it at some length. And I reached the conclusion. It is often presented like as if a law, you must have a guru. It's more like, I must have a guru. I heard from such such person, and she was so compelling in the way she presented Krishna consciousness, that I had to take shelter of him. I must do it. Well, it's not a law, you understand? Out of affection. Since this would be in my interest. So, no, we should be ideal in our character. How is Krishna controlling everyone? By his charm, by affection. So if we are his devotees, we should charm the people in the same way. And to do that, we have to tame ourselves a little bit. That means, yes, it's about love, and, and human life is affording us so much freedom. Mahaprabhu has come to, to meet us at that time of our freedom. We've got out of jail and Mahaprabhu has come to meet us and offer us the opportunity to realize the full potential of the human experience, to love fully, presenting to us himself, who in disguise is the perfect object of love. So it's not about rules, it's not about regulations, but then there are all these rules and regulations too. So how, it seems contradictory. It should be understood in this way. Those are not rules. This is about, as I said this morning, Srimad Bhagavatam, that is the New Testament. Everything else that's come before, it has to do with Dharma, 
artha, dhamma, moksha. This is all left behind. And prem, prema pumarto, mahan. Mahaprabhu has given this. This is new, the New Testament, Srimad Bhagavatam. Mahaprabhu is the Savior, bringing understanding of that New Testament. Still, again, we have all these rules. We think we have all these rules. That means you don't understand Varnashram, Dharma. If you think we have a lot of rules, you've not studied Varnashram. You would faint. All the rules, all the regulations. Such a heavy burden. Dharma Shastra. To be a religious person, difficult. <laughs> not that it's easier to be a spiritual person, necessarily, but it's, it's more inviting. Mahabhava did not come to give a religion, but to start a revolution. We should not become settled in our Krishna conscious culture so that it becomes a religion. We came, I know some people in this room, I know they came, all of us, we came for, for a revolution. Prabhupada gave a very poetic rendering of this verse. Just one shloka of Srimad Bhagavatam is another creation altogether. Powerful, competent, one verse to bring about a change in the impious lives of the world's misdirected civilization. It's a great challenge to us. And it's not so much a challenge to you know, revolt against the whole world and change the political system and so forth. It's a bigger challenge than that is to change ourselves. It's so hard to be honest, to be truthful in a world where falsity is the norm. And we agree, but that's not enough <laughs> to say yes. We have to do that and stand up for what we know to be True. Satam, truthful. This is another word for devotee. So, what are those rules then and regulations of bhakti? All the rules and regulations, they still seem like a lot to us. We have to do like this, especially to the new bhakta. So, you know, he's told, can't do this, can't do that, can't sit like that, can't eat like that, can't walk like that, don't talk here. <laughs> Sometimes they get a little overburdened and they come in the ashram and they don't know whether to turn left or right they might commit an aparad that's how we, we teach them due to our sometimes lack of understanding and feeling for the subject matter and standing in, in the affair someone who has more standing won't be so concerned about all those things he or she will be concerned to see that the foundational stones are being put in place conceptual orientation that will foster bhakti in a natural way. And some of those details can be attended to later, if indeed they need to be. But there are some rules and regulations, but we shouldn't think of it so much like that. They are it's just like if a young girl wants to attract a young boy, then she may think, what color does he like? How can I arrange my hair such that he will like to look at me and she'll dress herself in a particular way and or a young man will do the same thing to attract a young lady. We can do certain things that will attract Krishna's attention. That's how we should look at it. We can find out something about the person whom we, who we've kind of fallen in love with, started, whom we have a crush on, Krishna. And we want to get his, his attention, get him to, con to feel the same way about <coughs> us. And we're talking about Krishna, we're not talking about God here. I mean, God loves everybody, we know that. He's a universal in his love, and that's the shortcoming of it. Krishna is particular, impartial, biased. That's the beauty of Krishna consciousness. That's the ornament. The greatest quality of Krishna, from the devotee's point of view, is his partiality. Bhakatavatsal. And that it is a full love. Full idea of love. Love of Krishna means full idea of love. That means it includes not liking people who don't love Krishna in the higher stages, of course. When we think of God, then we love everybody. But if we find out somebody doesn't like Krishna, then upeksha. Prema maitri kripa upeksha. Yakaroti samadhyama. Some discrimination should be there. 
If they're envious of Krishna, they don't want anything to do with them. Just like if you love somebody and you find out somebody else doesn't like that person. And even you don't know that person. You don't want to know them. Krishna's like that. And conversely, if Krishna loves you, then if you have some liking for someone else, naturally Krishna will like that person too. So it's to our advantage to become attached to a devotee. <laughs> it's the easy way to get Krishna's attention. Do you follow? So these rules and regulations, they are like, like that. They are, meant, they are things that are favorable for cultivating a relationship with Krishna to attract him. So see it in that light. Mahaprabhu has given only the doctrine of love. No laws. And that is the principle. And as he's coming to this in Ruchi Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti, he says, Mama Janmani Janmanishvare, Bhavatad Bhakti, Ahoyat Kitva. He's developing now a liking for Bhakti, a liking for the things that are dear to Krishna. He likes to chant and hear about Krishna and all things related to Krishna. He likes, she likes. And how far are those other things that were part of the decorum, as I said, in faith revisited. Faith is the beginning, but when faith becomes firm, nishta is kind of revisited. It's called nishta, but we call it firm. It means firm, but we call it firm faith, because the whole thing is a cultivation of faith. And they were told, oh, to be humble, to be tolerant, some decorum for the devotee, some behavior standards are given. Faith is the beginning, just come on in. Nityananda Prabhu said, yeah, faith, take the holy name, just giving away, no rules, no regulation, take it. But as we grow in it, we realize there are things that are favorable to this, that will be helpful, and things that are not, so I want love, so I'll avoid certain things, and I'll embrace certain things. And a certain code of behavior, Mahaprabhu has advised us, this will be conducive. He says, incorporating this kind of behavior into your life of chanting, that will bring brain. Without that, it won't come. So we think, oh, well, then we should embrace those things. Be humble like the tree, like the grass, tolerant like the tree, not desirous of any honor, and give honor to others. Amani namanadena. This honor is a big problem. We all want some distinction, some recognition. It's a very problematic thing for us. In Nishta Bhakti, then we are... A we are avoiding that with our intelligence. We are cultivating this kind of behavior, thinking about it, reasoning about it, reasoning about it on the strength of that, and, and so forth. We are avoiding these things. But Mahaprabhu has come now to another stage, Ruchi Bhakti. Nadanam Nadanam Nasundurim. Try to understand, this is a big difference here. It's one thing to know and understand intellectually that distinction, prestige, let us say, false pratishta, is undesirable. We can read about it. Someone said, maybe maybe Dasko Sami, oh, this is like the stool of a hog. And hogs eat stool, so you can imagine, that's pretty bad. This should be avoided like that, he said. So we can read about it and we can laugh about it, it's cute, you know, but we have the bad smell of Pratishta also. Desire for that, for distinction, for being recognized for the things that we do devotionally. Try it. Try to do something and avoid being recognized. When you do it without being recognized, when you do it, you do something for someone else, whether it be in the context directly of bhakti or not, but more so directly in the context of bhakti. For anyone, you do something nice for someone. You go out of your way a little bit. Then you feel better. You feel more whole. But if you attach to that the desire to be recognized for that, as soon as the recognition comes, it's a bit of a boost, but then it kind of spoils the whole thing. It, it's deflated. I told the devotees this morning, somebody, I don't know who it is, every month puts $108 in our bank account, upper our ashram. I don't know who I, I can't, I'm possessed trying to find out who it is. You understand my point? Without any desire for being recognized, that person, he or she is hiding from that. And I'm looking for them. You understand? This will attract Krishna's attention. Looking for that person. Who did that? Who's rendering service to me? Or the Vaishnava. So this will bring attention to us. We want it so badly. Mahaprabhu said, 
You shouldn't want it, but give honor to others, and then you'll get it. <laughs> of course, then you'll understand it for what it is. And then you will not want it. This is the difference between, one difference now, between nishta and ruchi. Mahaprabhu was saying, nadanam nadjanam nasundaram. It's one thing to know that it's undesirable. It's another thing to not want it, to have no desire for it. So from the kind of a, and I don't mean it in the derogatory way, but in an intellectual fixed orientation to bhakti that doesn't allow one to succumb to the demands of the senses and mind that might distract one, to an orientation to bhakti that is very much grounded in uh, scriptural understanding, to an orientation of bhakti in which the heart has become harmonized with the head. This is nishta. Nasta praeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati uttamashvokir bhaktir bhavati naishtiki. This is what I mean when I say intellectual orientation. I mean, that could be said in another way and it would be undesirable. You're just intellectualizing about bhakti. I don't mean like that. I mean to use your intelligence fully in Krishna's service. That is one thing. But now, from nishta to ruchi, the heart is taking precedence. Intelligence is kind of receding in one way, but energized in another way. (laughs) It's energized. Then you can make creative, very creative responses (laughs) to arguments. Your intelligence will function under the jurisdiction of the purified heart. Previous to that, the heart is still a little subdued and intelligence is predominating. When the heart comes out in Ruchi Bhakti, then intelligence becomes uh, fully uh, spiritualized. So there's a super uh, mundane uh, ability to reason. That is called Shastrayukti Sunipun. Shastrayukti Sunipun and Dridha Shraddha. This is Uttam Bhakti. Again, this verse of Mahabharata was about Uttam Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti, a pure devotee. It is still in the state, in, in Sadhana Bhakti, but he or she has become pure. Shastri Yukti Sunipun means what? This who has the ability, who understands Shastra comprehensively. But not only that, because you may say, well, Marsh, this person understood Shastra very well, but he or she did this or went here or there or so forth. And the scripture says, Sri Rupa says, well, someone has knows the Shastra comprehensively, then his, his Shraddha, this is the Shraddha of an Uttam Adhikari. He has Dridha Shraddha, firm faith, this uh, Uttam Bhakta, Taraye Sangsar. He can take us across Sangsara. And he's also characterized by Shastra Yukti Sunipun. He knows the scripture comprehensively. But the word Sunipun is very important to us because it means genius, really. Once a great Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur nicknamed Pujapad Bhaktirakshak Siddhadev Goswami Maharaj, what? Shastra Nipuna. Shastra Nipuna. A scriptural genius. It's quite a compliment, actually. Here, it's a, in, in the words of Mahabharu uh, to Sanatan Goswami, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's, it's emphasized, Sunipun, a super Shastra genius. It means not just knowing the scripture, but the ability to think about it, uh, to live in it in such a way that, that you can explain it according to times and circumstance and... Uh, means to live inside of it. It means that, again, the heart has come out and predominated, so the response is not intellectual, but coming from the heart. So a kind of genius, probably have that kind of genius response, often not quoting the scriptures, but they just say, such people, they just say these really profound things that are very, sometimes almost very simple, but everyone's completely satisfied, like super reasoning, like when I, when I told the story the other day, I was with Prabhupada once walking in Vrindavan and one of the devotees, my God, said, Prabhupada, here we are walking in Vrindavan. The other day we took a bus to Radha Kund. 
the previous day we took a bus to some other place and uh, Barsana doing the Braj Parikram and uh, these places are far away from one another Prabhupada but we're told in the, in the Krishna book that Krishna goes from Nandagram to Barsana he goes from Nandagram at night all the way to the banks of the Jamuna to the rendezvous with the gopis and Rasalila and so forth I mean how does he get there such a long distance we're going by bus and and Prabhupada said, oh, Vrindavan is like a lotus. He held out his hands. And each of these places is like a petal. And when Krishna wants to go from one to the other, the lotus closes up like this. Now, is that, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But everybody's satisfied, of course. They have these kind of answers to things that are, it's called realization. When somebody else told Prabhupada, you know, I read the Krishna book, and what did you think? And he said, I think it was a bit fantastic. Prabhupada said, I think you were a bit fantastic. <laughs> or, or someone, one of my other God also told Prabhupada, you know, I, I did a calculation, Prabhupada, of the geographical, uh, the, the square footage of Vrindavan, as it's described, being so many crosses, so many kilometers, so forth. And it's impossible for Nanda Maharaj's 900,000 cows to fit there. So Prabhupada said, oh, you read too much. <laughs> These are just some kind of simple examples. The way he would respond, yeah. and also sometimes more eloquently, uh, that's eloquent, concise, no doubt, but to explain the scripture in a comprehensive way. This requires that the heart is ruling, not the intelligence. And this is one difference between Nishta and Ruchi. The heart has come out, and things have come out of the heart. Entirely. Therefore, Mahaprabhu says, Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundarim Kavitam Ba. So much is being said here. Nadanam. Nadanam means wealth. Taka Bhakti Vinod says, oh, wealth in another place, that also includes the wealth of not only money, but religiosity. Not only artha, but dharma. Nadanam. Nadanam. Jala means company, followers. It means also family, friends, and all the fun of that. Relationships. It means all that that involves. Sense gratification. Sense gratification means calm. Dharma, artha, calm. Uh, sundarim. This is underscoring calm, in a sense that the primary uh, expression of calm, the desire for companionship, nadanam nadanam nasundarim, he says, no dharma, artha, kama. I'm not interested in any of these things. This is what the world is, is running on. The world is running on desire. Desire to avoid pain and desire to get pleasure. Desires, in another sense, are threefold. We desire pleasure, we desire power, and there's the desire for virtue. Pleasure means what? Pleasure means tamaguna, to pleasure oneself, again and again, only to be disappointed, to go back and do the same thing again and again, repeatedly. You know, you just tweak it a little bit, one way or the other, but it's punapunas charvita charvananam, in the language of the great... Prahlad Maharaj, chewing the chewed. So the pleasure, this is Tamagun. Then to want to be pleasured, to want to be powered, or to want to get to want to be secure, to want to progress materially. This is Rajagun. It's better than Tamagun, relatively speaking, in a, in a sense. It's not just doing the same thing again and again, but trying to improve one's position in the material world. To get a better bank balance, a better job, better position in society, all these things. This is Rajaguna. And Sattvaguna, to be virtuous, to be pleasured, to be powerful, to be virtuous. This is the whole gamut of, of desire, in a sense, explained in a nutshell, that the whole mo- world is moving under the influence of. And these things to be pleasured, to be powered, to be virtuous, 
they all correspond with these fourfold ideals given in that outdated Old Testament that are said to be the ideals of human society. Dharma, Artha, Kama. There's another one, we haven't gotten to that yet, but Mahaprabhu, of course, includes it as well. The problem, first of all, before we go to that, moksha, with all of these things, dharma, artha, kama, is what? One sense that the problem is they're all about wanting to be something, wanting to be pleasured, wanting to be secure, wanting to be virtuous. The relative value of virtue, sattva, or radhas and tamas, is that it allows us to think clearly. And in that, those moments of clarity, to think that the whole problem is wanting to be something, when, in fact, I already am something. That is the whole problem in material life. We want to be pleasured, we want to eat power, we want to be virtuous. But the fact is, we are virtuous. Hmm? We are a unit of enjoying capacity, as much as Brahman is Anandamayo. And we are secure. Our problem is that although we know that we exist, which is a wonderful thing in the whole spectrum of life, we're the few that know that we exist, humans, I mean. The problem is that we don't know the extent to which we exist. Therefore, we have some fear, some anxiety neither the purpose for which we exist. These things are to be realized. We are striving to be all these things, to be something, to be powerful, to be secure, to be pleasure, to be... Per- hmm. But the real virtue of virtue, sattvas, it gives us some clear vision. That, oh, this is the problem, trying to be... I should just be myself. But there's a problem in that too, that Mahabharata was detected, that so many other transcendentalists have not. What is the problem in that? Just being yourself, in one sense. The problem is that although we have a compa- though we exist, and although we know that we exist, and although we have some potential for pleasure inherently within us, still it's limited. We are Shakti Tattva. Maya, matter is also the Shakti Tattva. The origin of the Shakti Tattva that is uh, Swarup Shakti. So we are a, a partial manifestation, in a sense, of Sarup Shakti. Matter is a distorted manifestation of Sarup Shakti. What's in Sarup Shakti? Sandini, Sambit, Ladini. Pure existence, Sudhasattva, that means Sandini. Knowing, Sambit, what kind of knowing? Very extraordinary kind of knowing. Knowing myself in relation to Bhagwan And Ladini. What kind of happiness? What kind of joy? That is not inherent in the jiva. Only as much as the jiva is a partial manifestation of Swarup Shakti is it inherent there. Therefore, unless the jiva connects with Bhagwan, the full capacity that it has in potential to exist, to know, and to be happy will not be realized. In other words, we're not defective in terms of our capacity to purchase real estate in Goloka because we have a material mind and material senses and these are have no purchasing power, they're counterfeit currency. More than that, because we ourselves as a unit of will, of consciousness, do not have the right to exist there. It's a gracious grant. It's not you can force your way there. We have a passport. We are not this body. I mean, we have a passport out. You understand what I mean? Hmm? Up to you, you exist. That's all material things will come and go. It won't have any bearing on you. And uh, knowing your knowing can exceed the knowledge of material things. You can know that you're a particle of consciousness. You can know the extent to which you exist, and now you're going to stop being afraid, stop being in anxiety, and that will bring you some happiness up to Brahmananda. Then without a grant of bhakti, an ingress of Swarup Shakti, without making a, a kind of a union with your source, in terms of Shakti Tattva, then the full potential, 
it's inherent in you and in that you have the potential if the circumstances are arranged just like probably this would like to say a child has the inherent capacity to walk but certain circumstances have to be created in order to bring that out so some circumstances have to be arranged we have to get sadhu sangha by sadhu sangha then uh, this opportunity is laid before us because of Mahaprabhu's descent this kind of sadhu sangha following in the wake of Mahaprabhu's teaching this opportunity comes to us this is what Mahaprabhu was interested in, in this verse. This is what he's talking about. Therefore he says, Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundam, Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. That's the whole world. That's it. He says, I'm not interested in that. And then, beyond that is Mukti. He says, Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundaram, Kovitam, Ba. Kovi means, it can mean a number of things. It means, it means poetry, verse. You know, that's the highest side of material life. The fine arts. In India, there are big thinkers who reasoned that the arts, drama, opera, and these kind of things, oh, they give you a feeling that is like transcending the self. This is secular aesthetic theory, secular Ras theory, Ras Shastra. Very interesting. Of course, Rupa Goswami imported that structure to explain sacred uh, aesthetic rapture, divine rasa. So this is the fine, refined material life. Mahaprabhu says, I don't care for that. Jiva Goswami said, the only rasa really in all this material world is vibhatsa, means disgust. That is one of the secondary rasa. It's all you can really get from the whole thing. No matter how sophisticated it is, no matter how refined the affair you make it, it's revolting, ultimately, to the soul. So Mahaprabhu said, I'm not interested in poetry either. That means also, it can also mean I'm not interested in the word jugglery of the Mayavadis. Fine exercise of grammar. Not so fine, not as fine as Disney, my pundit, but it may, may mean that. It may mean material knowledge, but it also may mean liberation, knowledge, mukti. And he goes on, of course, to further affirm that this is not his interest when he says, Mama Janmani, Janmanishwari. <laughs> he doesn't care about repeated birth and death, which is another way of saying that's what the whole world's about. He's not interested in being free from that. This is just absolutely mind-boggling. If you took all of the Dharma, Artha, and Kama could do for you, all, that, all of it, and put it in a package, gave it for Christmas to someone. It would be like worthy of the trash only in comparison to Mukti. Just it's trash. That's all. It's not worth the box, the packaging <laughs> that's wrapped in. That's what makes us attractive to material thing, the packaging. America's contribution to the world. No. And Mahabharu says I don't care about moksha. This is like exclamation mark. This is staggering. Again, all these texts before Bhagavatam, before Mahaprabhu's explanation of Bhagavatam, this is what they're all promoting. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. This is it. This is what life has to offer. Mahaprabhu's off the map. Off the Vedic map here. So we we're pressed to ask, what is he interested in? He has said farewell to the Paramatma. He says, Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitam Va Jagadishware. Jagadishwar, that is the Paramatma. He's offering his pranam. Goodbye. This is your whole thing. Shristi Lila. Please love of creation. I'm out of here. I'm in here, but I'm not here. I'm not interested in leaving here. I'm here, but I'm not. I'm in the world, but I'm not. I'm not part of it. I'm not interested in dharma, artha, kama. I'm not interested in, in leaving it as the mukti uh, bodies do. He has an auspicious life here. From Kleshadni, which began in Nishta, with the uprooting of an artist and one's bhakti becoming steady, and the, the distress, which is caused by sinful reactions, 
This is pretty much gone. This is one of the symptoms of, of Shuddha Bhakti in Sadhana. Kleshagni, misery is destroyed. means you do bhakti, you think I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making any progress. You don't know. There's so many sinful reactions that would have been due for lifetimes. They weren't due to, to come for lifetimes. They're not coming anymore. They're gone. Prabhu karma may remain for some time. We struggle a little bit with that, but even in Nishta, this is pretty much only Prabhu's remaining manifest karma. Now, it's bearing fruit. At that stage, the fire, Mahadavagani, Nirvapanam, it's out. But smoke remains. Some smoke <coughs> is remaining. You come into Ruchi, then Shreya Kairava Chandrika. Something auspicious, Shreya, most auspicious, Shubhada, another quality of bhakti, Shuddha bhakti, in sadhana, <coughs> manifests in sadhana, it's high stages of sadhana bhakti. Shubhada means auspicious. She becomes pleasing, popular, qualified, and happy. These are the four qualities of auspiciousness detailed by Rupa Goswami. This I can't, it's easy to think of Prabhupada. Pleasing to everybody, popular. So many nice qualities and happy. This is Shreya. This is part of idea Shreya. Shreya Kairava Chandrika Bhattara. And it goes a little further. Those moonbeams, Chandrika, well, that is coming from the other side. Some dim reflection of what that world is about. Sudha Sattva coming and creating so to speak, awakening desires in the jiva. Anukula bilas, prapta bilas, sorida bilas. These desires are beginning and they're, they're cultivated. It means some opportunity, some scope that my service is reaching to the lila that's being recognized there, accepted internally on that platform. So much encouragement. Again, the stage is erected at this point of Sharanagati. So that drama of Krishna Lila is soon to come. It will come in the next stage. Now Mahaprabhu is bidding farewell to the Paramatma when he says, Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitam Ba Jagadishwari. He's ruling this world. Paramatma is seated in our heart. But we want to displace him. This is our interest. We want that our own Ishta, our deity will be seated there, not the Paramatma. That's our desire. So that requires some preparation to make a nice sitting place for Krishna to come and sit in your heart. Some cleansing. When there is no dhanam, na dhanam, na sundaram, kobitam, bah, we are getting somewhere. So this is a crossover. This is a kind of a junction at this point, this Ruchi Bhakti. Mahaprabhu is bidding farewell to Paramatma. And who is he speaking to them? He says, Mama Janmani Janmani Babatat Bhakti Rahoi He says, Jagadish and Ishwar. Ishwar is in the second half. He's talking not about Paramatma, but Pranishwar. How can he be talking about Paramatma? He's asking for Bhakti to you only. Ahaituki Bhakti. Life after life to you. He's attached to bhakti, to the name of his deity, Krishna. So this is the point. It's kind of the junction. And in Asakti, it's complete. Paramatma is displaced. And Radha Govinda take their seat in the heart. They have to, because that kind of love, particular kind of love for them, begins to surface. If they correspond with, this is Bedabed. Krishna and Krishna's devotee, there's... What's the difference? The devotee's love for Krishna, that is Krishna. He corresponds with that. He shows his face accordingly. He appears accordingly. Love is ruling. That is the idea. So this is a, a high stage of sadhana bhakti. One's ideal is tasting that. Previously it was medicine. Now it is food this chanting. It was medicine. Got to do that 16 times. What time is it? Get it over with so I can do what I really want to do. Or 
all my service. No tasting, it's medicine we're doing. But now in Ruchi, Prabhupada has become food. I can live on this, I don't want anything else. Nothing else required. It's said that Krishna is in, surrounded by wonderful devotees, endowed with extraordinary love of God. Lila Madhurja, one of his qualities that Narayan doesn't have. Super extraordinary love of God. They become so close to Krishna that they don't recognize him for what he is. Just like if you get too close to something materially, you, you can't understand it for what it is. We're so closely entangled in the material world that we don't understand it for what it is. Therefore, some measure of detachment and objectivity is recommended. Step back to see it for what it is. We are to step back from the world to see it for what it is so that we know how to apply ourselves in relation to it such that we can get close to Krishna and become attached to him and not see him for what he is. To think, he's my son. This is like, he's my lover. This is scandalous. But Kunta people cannot understand it. They can't understand it. They think at best, Narayan has some side like that sometimes. We don't get it, but we don't understand it. Mahaprabhu said that. I'm coming to earth to do something that people in Vaikuntha will be bewildered by. They don't know about this kind of secret. That is the secret of Srimad Bhagavatam. Again, Dharma Projita Kaita Votra. We cited this verse earlier. This is the really beginning of Bhagavatam. This is the Vastunidesh Shloka of Bhagavatam, the verse that explains what this book is about. Dharma Projita Kaita Votra Paramo Nirmat Sananam Satam. Kaviraj Goswami cited this verse in Adi Lila, where, in the context of explaining his own Namaskar verse, when he said, Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito, Godadai Pushpabanto Chitro Sandotamonudo. He said, This Gaur and Nityananda, they're brilliant as the sun and the moon rising at the same time on the horizon of Goda, coming up, and so bright, so luminous they are with what they're bringing that has the capacity to completely dispel the darkness in the heart. And what is that darkness? Bandeshi Krishna Chaitanya Nityana Sahurito Godadai Pushpabanto Chitro Sando Tamonudo Tamonudo to dispel the darkness. And what does Kabirai say the darkness is? You can guess. He quotes the verse, Dharma Projita Kaita Votra. What is Kaitava Dharma? That is, that is the Sarva Dharman that we should Paritya Reject. That is Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, desire for these things. He says, Tarnam Kaitava. I call that cheating. He said. And Gornitinanda have come to just to flood the heart with the luminosity of uh, the bright light of, of Prem. It makes this no room for that darkness in the heart. Such desires of, oh, that constitutes some kind of bargaining. It's not love. Prahlad told us, don't be a merchant, be a servant. Now, Krishna is surrounded by devotees with this kind of love. So one may question whether he'll hear, how can we, how can we get his attention? At this stage, you can start to get his attention. Previous to that, Maybe you have the attention of the Paramatma mostly. Now, theoretically, it's true. Krishna can hear the prayers of anybody, even when he's forgotten who he is. Maybe not entirely, but his forgetfulness is underpinned by the fact that he is God, who so is omniscient. Vishwanath Chakrabarti has given a nice argument in that regard. That although he's omni bewildered, he still is God, so he can hear the prayers of his sadhakas. But still the question remains, at what stage of sadhana will he hear those prayers? Is it at any stage? Here in Shikshastava we find there's a transition taking place. The rule of the Paramatma governs the world. And as long as we have the world in our heart, you understand? Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, this is the world in the heart, either for it or against it. Dharma, Artha, Kama, for it, Moksha, against it. To exploit it or to reject it is to misunderstand it. To run after it or to run away from it. 
Both are mis- misunderstandings of what it is, what's out there, <laughs> what reality uh, ultimately is. That's under the rule of the Paramatma. Mahabhu is graciously paying pranam to him. <laughs>